Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Being brought up in the 1940s and 1950s, I would say that one of the standard things for a mother was to memorize all of the adages told her by her parents, which she could not stand, and then to pass them on to her children, giving us that other opportunity that mothers sometimes have, fathers too, where you say, I cannot believe that I just said that to my child. I didn't like it when my mother said it to me. Well, there were numerous adages in those days. Let's see if a few of you know a little bit about history. If somebody would begin by saying, a stitch in time, what's the rest of it? Look at that, aren't you impressed? And my mother would have another one. I never would say to my mother, wait. My mother would then say, wait broke the wagon. Now, one of the other ones my mother would say is, remember this, you are judged by the company you keep. So I feel really good today as I look at all of you. I'm thinking this is going to be a good judgment because I'm looking at a really good crowd right now. In fact, I've walked with this crowd today. I've shared things already with this crowd today, such as Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But in order for us to understand all of this, we really do need to go back to that first Palm Sunday, don't we? What was going on that day? I mean, do you really think that somebody started whispering and saying, don't forget the big procession that's coming up at 1045? And do you think that everybody had already put on their best clothing and they were all set and that numerous people had gone in and handled the things that needed to be handled for this great procession? Uh, no, not so much. And then, have you ever noticed one of the incredible things about a crowd is a number of people with individual points of view or perhaps similar points of view all gather but in just a matter of time, there's a mantra that is adopted. Have you ever noticed? If you stick around in a crowd long enough and somebody starts saying something, eventually you start hearing them all say it. I mean, it's not as bad as the wave at a baseball game. But it is true to be able to see people suddenly taking on what you might even call the personality of a crowd. So what was that crowd like 2,000 years ago? And by the way, when they started saying, save us, in other words, Hosanna, what exactly were they hoping that they would be saved from or for? Now, for some of the people there, they knew what they wanted, didn't they? Tell the Romans to go back home. We are tired of this. We are tired of being dominated by a foreign authority. And there were others who were probably saying something like, and while you're at it, take the Jewish tax collectors with you because they're nothing other than traitors. So everybody there probably had a point of view or at least an opinion about what was going on. 
But it wasn't the first time that there was a procession into the holy city of Jerusalem. I guess it would be easy to assume that as we read the Bible, but if we read history, especially if we go back and look at the, re the writings before the writings of the gospel, what we notice there is Judas Maccabeus had already made an entry into the city, hadn't he? And so when the word was said that someone is going to enter the city of Jerusalem, there were probably some people who said something like, why should we get our hopes up? Why bother to get our hopes up? It hasn't worked in the past. What makes you think it's going to happen now? But from what we can determine, there were some preparations that were made. Did you notice that in the gospel that was read when we, uh, we were blessing the palms? Preparations had to be made. Note how the donkey was secured. I mean, let me put it into a contemporary setting for you. If you showed up at an automobile dealership today and you went over to one of the salesmen and you had your hand on one of the automobiles and he said, may I help you? If you said the master has need of it, what are the chances of him handing over the keys to you? So something had to be set up in advance because once that was said, then here came the donkey. Now this was a mixed signal for some of them, wasn't it? For those who were really looking for the Savior, for those who were looking for the Messiah, for those who were saying, save us, they were looking for maybe a pretty impressive horse that would come riding in because that would be more fitting for somebody who came to conquer. But a donkey? And there he entered with them around. Now a few of them, when they said save us, were hoping they could take a few hours off of the drudgery of, of daily work in Jewish life. And maybe they even saw this as a type of a diversion. But you see, dear friends, I think by now you have figured out something. You can't really always trust the word of the crowd. Have you ever found yourself with a variety of crowds from time to time? And maybe at the time, the enthusiasm, the excitement, seeing some of your friends, maybe it made it a little more attractive. But maybe at some point you started asking yourself some questions. Now today, when I was visiting with all the precious folks in uh, the catechesis classes, the children really pointed out to me a, a number of things which helps immensely. So we've already had this conversation. Some of them already know a little bit more than some of you. So um, remember, a little child shall lead them. Jesus said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And one of the things that I was told this morning, which was really bright, is today the people are shouting in the crowd, Hosanna. And on Good Friday, they're going to be saying, crucify him. Now, did you notice that even this morning as we went from the celebration 
of the blessing of the palms, and then we went to the passion, that the very lips in this church right now, which has said Hosanna, were actually by participation saying crucify him. Crowds change. Now there will be those who have done studies and said, you have to understand though, these were different people who showed up on Friday. All right. So that means that they were totally and completely mutually exclusive. None of the people who were there on Sunday were there on Friday. And none of the people who were there on Friday were there on Sunday. But then I have to ask you this question. Just as we have determined that there were some plans that were taking place, such as procuring the donkey, you will notice that we're going to see a similar interchange when it comes to Monday Thursday, aren't we? Preparations were made. And if you've ever participated in a Passover Seder, they don't happen in 15 minutes. Preparation, doing the right thing, getting everything ready. Preparations happen to be a major theme of this week. And these preparations that are being made are very important. And it looks like Judas himself was involved in some preparations, wasn't he? During this time, during this week, before the Last Supper. You are judged by the company you keep. As you know, in the city of Waco today, Christ Church will not be the only church that will be having a Palm Sunday procession. Of course, it raises the question, how many Jesus are there? Only one Jesus. Why would there be so many different Palm Sunday processions if we're all walking with Jesus? Well, don't be too hard on yourselves, please. I'll take you back to Jerusalem as I did earlier today. How many Palm Sunday processions do you think have already taken place today in Jerusalem? More than you can imagine. More than you can imagine. Different communions, different denominations, different groups of people. And what I do know about them, having participated in Palm Sunday processions over there, not any of them say we really enjoy doing it the wrong way. Everybody is convinced that they are doing it the right way. But for me, the interesting thing is I've participated with so many Christians over there, then why do they all do it so very differently? One Jesus. One of the things that I have to say about Christ Church is I have come to know you and to love you. And I have to say, as I was uh, noticing last night, as my wife and I had the privilege of being able to be by the Wallace's house, I looked inside and that was Christ Church Waco for me. And you may say, what? Well, you see, when I was asked to come and help out, that's where Christ Church Waco was. It was a nice living room. And now I come today and I look around here and I have to say, nice crowd. Saw a nice crowd at 8 o'clock too. You've grown. 
You've decided that this is the crowd that you want to hang out with. And here's what I want to tell you. The crowd during the time of Jesus was a very fickle crowd. Crowd members sometimes will hang out with those who can offer them a better deal, a bigger deal. And the kinds of camaraderie that are essential for crowds oftentimes breaks down. But you are to be commended because here you are today. And you know why? Because it's the same Jesus you followed last Palm Sunday. And it'll be the same Jesus that you are going to follow next Palm Sunday. In the course of your earthly pilgrimage, dear friends in Christ, keep your eyes on Jesus. There will always be somebody in the crowd drawing you away. But the Jesus I know always draws us in. Jesus prayed that we all may be one. And so I commend people when they go the extra mile, if you will, not just in a procession, but in their earthly pilgrimage, so that they may walk with their brothers and sisters in Christ, as we just did this morning. But it's not going to end there today. I look around at your faces, and I know that I will see some of these faces when I return on Good Friday. I know that you will be part of the crowd yet again, and that you will participate in saying words that you thought would never come from your lips, but you do so so that you can get into the spirit of understanding what it was like. But if my mother were here today, and she were sitting in one of these pews, as my mother would, I can tell you where my mother always sat in the pew, by the way. You know how that is. My mother would be saying, don't you ever forget you can be judged by the company you keep. And for me this morning, and I hope for you this morning, those are very, very consoling words. As I look at your faces today, I want you to know I'm delighted to be judged by the company I keep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.